Welcome to the Sports Fan Radio podcast. In today's episode, we speak with Simone Wern, the youngest person ever to be admitted to the Australian Baseball Hall of Fame. Simone played baseball from the age of six and represented Australia as a starting pitcher and then went on to coach the Emeralds for eight years. I've got the good fortune today to be speaking to Simone Wern, the first female admitted to the Australian Baseball Hall of Fame. There's one thing we can say about getting into a Hall of Fame like that, and that is you've got to have a fair pedigree to achieve that status. Simone, welcome to the podcast. My first question, I guess, is why baseball and how did it all start? Well, first of all, hi, Mark, and thanks for having me. I always love catching up for a chat. But baseball was, I, I get asked this question pretty regularly um, for obvious reasons. It's not the sport that most young people would flock to, uh, particularly back in the 1980s, which is when I started playing. But it was a family link. So my both my grandparents were heavily involved in baseball on the committee, you know, president. Um, the, the ground I still play on now is named after my grandfather, one of my grandfathers. And my other grandfather was heavily involved in coaching throughout my playing journey. So there was a really big link uh, from a a family history point of view. And then my parents were also heavily involved. And my mum actually met my dad because her father was coaching my dad's team and she was the scorer. That's how they actually met. So um, there's a lot of of little family intricacies in there, but... Um, yeah, I feel very lucky. Like my brother and I grew up playing. He's two years younger than me. He he played college baseball. He was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates. He never signed to play Major League Baseball, but he was drafted and played a couple of years of college ball over in Florida and then played some independent ball in the States. And we grew up throwing balls in the backyard every day. And I feel like I had such a fun um, upbringing, I suppose, and an opportunity to develop skills and have some fun Um, every day. Very much unlike, Mark, what's happening in today's society, I was outside every day after school, um, involved in some kind of physical activity or sport. So a a very lucky time to be alive in the the 80s and 90s as a kid. So how old were you when that baseball career started? I was six years old when I started playing t-ball. And we played t-ball on a Friday night. My auntie was the coach. So, again, another little link there to the family. Um, and I love, I have the best memories of playing junior baseball, Friday night T-ball. And then when I think we turned eight, we're allowed to play under 12s Little League baseball. So my dad was the coach and I've got such fond memories. I've still got mates at the club now who we actually play Masters baseball together. So the over, over 38s baseball and we were playing T-ball together all those years ago. So it's, you know, outside of the family link, there's a lot of friendships that I've, I've made through the sport over a long period of time. So so for the heathens out there listening to the podcast who don't understand very much about baseball, is it fair to say that T-ball might be the Oz kick of baseball? Yeah, absolutely. It's the, you know, the entry level. Everyone gets to have a swing off the tee you don't have to be able to hit a moving ball, which is, uh, as you would know, one of the most difficult things in sport to do, hit a moving round ball with a round bat. Uh, everyone gets to play different positions and it's it's just a whole lot of fun. So it is absolutely like Oz kick. And how long did you play T-ball for? Uh, three years. And then I, when I turned eight, my brother and I, or he, he stayed in T-ball one more year because he was a bit younger, but went up to, to under 12s and, 
and played Little League for a number of years. I sort of, I was really lucky. I grew up playing with the boys. There was a couple of girls, there's sort of a handful of us, but most of them were, were boys who really challenged, um, challenged, I suppose, uh, because they were physically a little bit stronger and better. But at the time, like I think until probably under 14s, Mark, I was, I could, um, you know, match it with the boys and, and until they started sort of going into the gym and, my body stayed as it was and there's kept getting a little bit bigger. So, um, I, but I feel very lucky that I was able to play in a boys competition because uh, it, it really helped me learn a lot of lessons and develop myself. So have you been with the same team all the way through your career? Yeah, the same club. So, you know, you mentioned the Hall of Fame earlier. The, the, the Hall of Fame is a, a lovely recognition of, I feel like my commitment to Australian baseball for a long period of time, but my greatest achievement is being a member of my club for uh, I'm f turning 42 this year. So um, about 36 years, or just, just close to 36 years. And I was awarded life membership last year. So I think the life membership of my club, the opportunities I've been given by my club to, to develop and learn, not just in baseball, but in my life. Uh, I think it's taught me a lot of life lessons. It's helped me develop into the person I am. Um, and I'm extremely thankful for everything I've been given or been provided through through the Springy Baseball Club. So for me as a person, and I've always liked watching baseball, never had the chance to be um, involved in it. Um, we did learn the basics of it, of it at school, and I think that's what... Uh, sparked my interest in it. Uh, but moving around the community when I was young, um, it was unusual to see organised baseball. Um, what it would have been totally unusual to see was women playing organised baseball. Um, can you tell the listeners about the progression with more women becoming involved in baseball? Well, the progression. I mean, I feel very lucky because, of course, I was involved in a club with a lot of family involvement. So, and when I say family involvement, my grandparents involved on the committee. My dad was a coach. Uh, so there were people sort of at the top who were like, well, it's just baseball. Anyone can play. So I never really had to deal with you know, people saying girls shouldn't play because I just grew up playing and was always supported. Uh, when you went and played other teams, if they commented, you always had the support of the people around you because you'd already been given that respect. So I felt very lucky and I do feel very lucky in comparison to other girls who've had real struggles. Um, the progression, I suppose, Mark, we, the, there wasn't a women's league in Melbourne to play in until 1994. That's the first year that it started. So this is the 28th year of the league this year. And luckily enough, I I was 13 turning 14. You had to be 14 to play. Luckily enough, that was sort of when I was coming to that stage where I couldn't compete with the boys. Um, I, I missed the first half of the season because you had to be 14. Um, but the second half of the season, I, I got to play in the women's league and I've been playing ever since in that league. And you've just seen, you know, probably I'd say the first 10 years of the league, it was sort of, you know, a bit of a, a fad club sort of put teams in and the mothers and the sisters and the daughters and the cousins were playing. 
And then the next 10 years became a bit more high level. So the girls who'd been playing a few years or who'd come from softball developed their skills and there was some really good competition. Um, and 2001 was the first national team uh, and I played in that too. So there was this sort of progression over the first 20 years. The last eight years, particularly the last five years, we've seen obviously heavy investment in women's sport in general. So there's been more funding, more resources, more opportunities on and off the field of play in, in a lot of sports and baseball's no different. Um, we, we've seen a lot more support. So, you know, it's, I'm really jealous of the girls today who get the opportunities that they get. I never got a lot of those, but I still like, I, I, I love what I was able to achieve and what I was able to do. And I still play and I still love to play. So um, I don't think it matters what level you play as long as you're enjoying yourself. And, and I still love the competition as well. So did you pick a role or did the role pick you when you decided to play baseball? I was always in my blood and it was, I don't think I had a choice, Mark, if that's what you're asking. But, I mean, I, I, was, I was around the game so much. I mean, growing up, for me, I feel like I developed the skills I developed because I was in that environment. Um, you know, we'd be at baseball a lot of days per week because my dad was playing. So what do you do? You just throw a ball around. What do you do after your dad's played? You hit the ball or you throw the ball or you field the ball out on the diamond. Um, you run around with your mates and you play baseball. So that's just how I grew up. And suddenly I started to realise, okay, I'm pretty good at this. Um, not a lot of girls play, but I love to play. So I'm going to keep playing. And that's sort of the attitude I think I've always had when it comes to, to the sport. Did you, have, did you give much thought to where you wanted to play on the baseball field? Oh, yeah. I was a shortstop. I was going to be a shortstop. And I remember going into to Little League and I was like, I'm, I want to play there, Dad. But I was petrified. I could play defence really well, but I was petrified of the ball as a batter because the boys threw so hard that I was really scared and I was quite small. Um, and he said to me one day, in no uncertain terms, you're hopeless as a batter, you can't do it, and you have to be a pitcher because you can't hit. So I remember this too. I remember the moment he did this. He took me into the backyard. He said, look, I'm going to have to teach you to pitch. He told my brother to get his glove, and he showed me how to hold a curveball. He said, now I want you to throw it like this, and he showed me, you know, the movement. And the first one had a little bit of movement on it, and he said, oh, that's pretty good. I think you're a pitcher now. And that was the end. So I never really played shortstop again. Um, and I became a really successful pitcher. So I probably owe that to him. Uh, left or right hand? Right handed. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, how many pitches did you develop in your career? Uh, if you talk to most pitchers, I'll tell you they've got five or six uh, in, in, their, in their arsenal. But, look, I lived my career throwing curveballs and sliders. I couldn't really throw with velocity um, really ever and still can't, unfortunately. But I was pretty good at commanding the zone so I could locate fastballs. They weren't very quick, but um, the good thing about baseball is if you can set up a hitter and you've got a strategy – and then you've got a second or third pitch, you can often have success. And that's sort of how I built my career around those off-speed pitches. For people who don't follow the art of pitching all that closely, um, is it fair to say that the pitching art is to try and make the hitter think that you're going, that 
a pitch is a is going to be a certain pitch, but it actually is completely different. Yeah, but this is why I love baseball and I love pitching and I still love competing even in my 40s and my body's sort of starting to tell me I shouldn't be competing anymore. But it's all about the strategy. And every time I go out, you're just trying to mess with the hitter's mind. I mean, you're trying to you change, you change the rhythm, you change your timing, you change location, you change the type of pitch you throw at a different time in the, in the count that the batter's in the box. There's all this strategy in, and every time you go out, it's different. You're facing a different team with different weather conditions, a different umpire. There's so much to the game that I don't think people realise, particularly if they haven't played, but even our young girls, I'm trying to help now develop themselves. You know, it's a lot of our discussion these days, Mark, for good reason, is about spin efficiency and velocity and rotations on the ball. But a lot of being successful as a pitcher is about having a strategy being prepared to try and mess with a hitter um, and being prepared to adjust your strategy when it's not working. Okay. Um, so in your career, you start off playing in the women's league once you've progressed to that extent. Um, yep. did, did the team that you were originally playing for, did they put a team in the women's league? Yes, yeah, Springvale put a team in that first season. Um, they they were losing 30, 40 nil most weeks. It was just girlfriends and wives and daughters and a few others. And that second half of the season, I was allowed to play. And the first game I turned up, Mark, and the opposition coach, I came out to pitch and the opposition coach called time and said, no, this kid's too small. She's going to get killed. You need to bring her off the diamond. I'm not sure what you're doing here. We're going to put a protest in. Well, I struck out the next eight batters. And we didn't lose a game after that. And we went on to play in the finals. And, and that was sort of a, a bit of a change of the guard. You know, a couple of the other girls I'd played junior baseball with came and played. And we, 28 years later, we sit here and we've had a, a hell of a lot of success in our women's program at the club. Um, so, so that step up to the women's league, did you detect a difference in the either A, the way the game was played or the intensity? Oh, yeah. There was no intensity and the players were hopeless. <laughs> I don't want to sugarcoat it. There was no... These, these girls had never played baseball. Some of them had played softball and had some basic skills, but, um, you know, they'd been pitching underarm. We pitch overarm. And a lot of them have never faced curveballs and other things like that. So, there, I mean, early on, you know, the, there was a real lack of any intensity, any urgency, any real competitiveness. It was more of a social hit and a giggle. Um, and as I said, that continued over the, you know, five, ten years in, it's, you could see there was a change in uh, in that and it was evolving. And then the, the next ten years you just saw, you know, a heap of girls who'd started playing, you know, coming into the league and had developed themselves. And we saw some younger girls come in and, and it really changed so prior to the Women's League, did Australia have a women's baseball team? No. 2001 was the first national team for women in baseball. Um, and I would take it that the Women's League that you're talking about was in Victoria. It wasn't, correct. wasn't nationwide. Correct. No, correct. Okay. Um, were there similar Women's Leagues in other states? Not at the time. It took... 
15 years probably uh, around that for there to be any real structure in the other states. I mean, New South Wales has done a lot uh, over the past, you know, 10 to 15 years. Uh, they've got quite a lot of girls playing baseball up there and Perth's got some. South Australia's sort of trying and Queensland's trying, but they haven't um, quite, I suppose, moved forward as much as Victoria have. But as I said, it's 28 years into our league in comparison to some that have been around for less than 10 years. So it's a bit of a difference. So 2001 sees the start of the Australian baseball women's team. And from what I can see, you're selected in that first team. Yes. Uh, how old were you then? 20, I was 20. Okay. And as a starting pitcher? Yes. Yeah. How many games did the team play and who did they play against? Oh, good question. So we played a world, they called it a world series. So it was, there was four countries playing. <laughs> it's um, a, a small world. Yeah. I mean, the world series in the US is just US. So I guess it's bigger than that. Um, yeah, we played in, in Canada and we played a pre-world series tournament with about 10 teams. And then we played that world series with just the four countries and ended up well, we, we won a bronze, we came third. So, but it was a, a, a pretty exciting uh, tournament. And, and we were just excited because for the first time ever, you could see there was opportunity to go and play internationally and go and play at a higher level. Uh, so obviously women's baseball team evolves and you're in, involved with it as it's evolving. What were the biggest changes that you saw while you were playing with the Australian team? Biggest changes? Do you mean on the field or off? Uh, let's start with on the field first. On the field, I think you saw people start to commit a little bit more to the sport. I mean, you sort of had a growth in numbers, uh, you know, in the, as, as the 2000s sort of hit us. We saw numbers growing for women's baseball particularly in Victoria, but in other parts of the country too. And suddenly there's an opportunity to play for your country. You sort of start to see people say, okay, I'm going to have to work a bit harder here because I want to be part of that. Um, and I think I'm good enough to compete at that level. So the competition grew, which was great because it meant that, you know, the players who did make that first team uh, needed to go away and, and be better. I mean, at the first, the first team we had, you know, there wasn't really a lot of, I don't want to offend anyone who might end up listening to this, but there wasn't a heap of player numbers. So it was probably a little bit easier at that point to make an Australian team. Um, but then it ended up being over the last sort of 15 years. Okay. Uh, now, what was the standout for you in your time playing with the Australian team? What was the, the standout moment? Uh, standout moment was winning. We won the World Series in 2002 in Florida and I was part of that team. We played um, Tropicana Field or the, the Dome in Florida. We played the final against Japan and obviously we know 20 years later Japan have gone on to be the number one. I mean, they were number one at the time, but they've gone on to just be a juggernaut in women's baseball. So we won that game and won the gold medal. It's the only time an Australian team has won a gold medal at any big international women's tournament. So that was that was my highlight, playing in that 
team in that tournament and I was able to help help I think as a player on that trip and then a good friend of mine who was from Springvale so from my club pitched in the final and and pretty pretty much helped us win or secure that gold medal. Now you went on to coach also in the Australian side. How, yes. how long did you coach for? Um, I was part of the coaching staff for about eight years. I was pitching coach for a couple of years at the 2012 World Cup and then the manager for three World Cups. And with the experience you had, um, how difficult or easy is it to manage a national team? Uh, How do I say this politely? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, you know, coaching was sort of thrust upon me, Mark. I never wanted to coach. And if I was going to coach, I was pretty happy sitting in the bullpen working with the pitchers because that's my bread and butter. I, I feel like pitching's my thing. I know pitching, my strategy's there. Uh, I'm very confident and comfortable with that. Becoming a head coach, uh, as I said, was thrust upon me a bit. I suffered a knee injury, which drove me sort of into retirement. I couldn't play anymore. And there was a lack of coaches around. So I was sort of tapped on the shoulder and asked to get involved. Coaching is very difficult, I think, at any level, particularly coaching women. Coaching women is a lot more difficult than coaching men. I've coached both. Um, And particularly probably coming into this with some of my peers who I'd played with still playing meant that it was also a really interesting dynamic uh, because you, you can't be mates when you're the coach you, you've you know you can be friendly with people and of course you want to create really good relationships but at the end of the day you, you've got to make decisions and often they're not decisions that well sorry every time they're not decisions that that 100 of people agree with so you know i found coaching very difficult at that level because as a player although baseball is a difficult game and it can be quite complex I found playing baseball a lot easier. Um, I was very consistent as a player and able to contribute and have control of things, particularly when you're pitching, you've got the ball and nothing happens till you throw it. So there's a lot of control. When you're coaching, you can put all the things in place you want, but at the end of the day, you can't control anything that happens and there's a lot of external factors that can impact the result. So... Even representing the national side, what we need to understand is that there's, it's not a professional career. Um, you're playing baseball um, as an enjoyment and it just goes further so that you're actually representing your country. Um, how difficult is it to juggle all the things that work, study um, and the ability to play at that level or keeping the ability to play at that level? How, how difficult is it? To juggle all of that? I don't think it's difficult if you love it. Um, when I played, you paid to play for Australia. So, you, you know, the average trip to go to a national championships where you needed to attend to be selected was about $2,000. And then from there, if you made an Australian team, it was five or $6,000. And then there was other things you needed to commit to for training and other things. So there was a lot of financial commitment that you needed to make. And not all of us love that part of it, but I think you had to accept that because you love to do it. Uh, And and the girls still commit to that now. I mean, the national team has 
there hasn't been a cost to be in that the last few times they've played. But to go to a Nationals, it's still a couple of thousand dollars to play. So the girls are still paying. But from a work and a, a management of time perspective, I think if you love it, you do it and you just suck it up and get on with it. And if you're not willing to do it, then I don't think you should be playing. And in the end, as I said, Mark, my knee gave out on me. I had a few injuries, but I got to a point where I probably wasn't willing to cough up that money anymore. I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to sort of move on to some other things in my life and uh, and sort of move away from that commitment side of things. Little did I know I was going to end up coaching and and the time commitment would actually be be more than it was playing. So um, it was interesting though. How far are we away from a women's professional baseball league in Australia? This is a very controversial question to ask me. I don't like to speak very publicly about this because people are very quick to to take your response and maybe turn it into something it's not. I really heavily support women's baseball. I always will. It's part of who I am and it's 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 in my blood and I, I really want to see success in the women's game moving forward. But if you ask me if I would be starting a women's professional league right now, I would say no chance. I just don't think there's a depth at this point in time to be looking at that. I think, yes, over the next five to ten years, absolutely, if we can put some good structures in place and and find some long-term stable financial support, then absolutely. But, you know, we've got a league at the moment in Victoria, Mark, that's suffering pretty much. Uh, it's doing it tough, let's just say. We've got three teams at the moment in our Division One competition and probably within that, those three teams, I'd say there's 10 or 12 players who are over the, the age of 30 who are sort of coming to the, the back end of their careers and are sort of holding up the the top end of, of Division One. So, you know, in the, the biggest competition there is in the country to suggest that, you know, on the back of, of where we're at here and where we're at in other states, bringing in a professional league, I'm not sure is, is the way to go right now. When you talk about um, participation rates in the game, do you think that the advent of AFLW has acted like a bit of a magnet to uh, young women and has drawn them away from other sports? Oh, there's no doubt about that. And it's not just, I mean, we've seen that through the WBBL and through opportunities to play cricket. But the, the thing that we need to remember, Mark, too, is that women's footy was a heavily participated in sport well before the AFLW. You know, we had a, a, a pretty significant number of girls and women playing footy across the country, obviously significant numbers in Victoria. Um, and the AFLW certainly driven participation growth. There's no doubt about that. But I think you need a base. You know, if if baseball was able to commit, you know, from a participation point of view um, to getting some structures in place and growing the game at the grassroots level and bringing in more girls to the sport and providing other opportunities along the way, I think that would go a long way to helping that ABLW get off the ground. Yeah. Um, I was interested to see that the Aces used Genevieve Beacon um, to pitch in one of their games uh, last year. Um, or actually, it might have been earlier this year. Um, that's a tremendous 
leap forward, isn't it, for a woman to be pitching in a men's competition, in a men's professional competition? It is. Genevieve's a legend. She's she's brilliant. I've been really lucky. Some friends of mine have played junior baseball with her, so I've sort of seen her develop over, you know, the last six or seven years from afar. I haven't really had much to do with her, but, you know, when she was playing under 12, she was six foot tall and <laughs> bigger and better than a lot of the boys. And I think we all thought, well, this is awesome. It'll be great to see what happens. But none of us knew she'd keep getting bigger. And she'd keep growing, I suppose, at the same rate as the boys. And that's something we haven't seen before. So, look, I, I think it is tremendous that the Aces have done what they've done because they're suggesting that it doesn't matter whether you're female or male, it's it's the ability level. And clearly she's able to compete at that level. But to be honest, Mark, the Aces have always been great supporters of women in baseball. I think if, if 10 years ago I had been good enough to pitch for the Aces. I don't. I think they would have pitched me or others, you know, but Genevieve's the first legitimate female I've seen in this country who can compete as a pitcher with the men. Um, and, and that's the honest truth, in my opinion. Okay. Now, um, leaving baseball, you did do some work as a high-performance manager at softball. So that's you're true. Mixing your sports. Is it oh, yeah. Uh, it's funny you mentioned this, Mark, because I had this real disdain for softball. I just didn't like it. <laughs> Softballers, you know, the old, it's softball, they're soft. I just didn't like the sport. It's The bases are too short. They pitch underarm. Didn't enjoy it. Didn't like watching it. Um, and then got an opportunity just by luck or by chance to go and work with the Australian team and then moved into the high-performance manager role and started to work with the national team. And, man, they're good. I mean, these athletes are like, there's a couple of them playing pro softball in Japan and they are legit some of the best athletes I've seen. Stacey Porter, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. She's the outgoing captain of the Aussie spirit. Um, she's been to three Olympic games, won two Olympic medals, playing I think her 15th or 16th year professionally in Japan. Is one of the best athletes I've seen in any sport play play the game. So. I was really lucky for three or four years to work with that team and then um, go with them to the, the Tokyo Games last year. And that's uh, a memory and, and a time in my life I'll never forget. Uh, and what are you doing today as far as the job's concerned? I'm lecturing now. So I've sort of taken my coaching and moved it to teaching. So I'm working in, at Holmes Glen in a sports degrees, uh, higher education department and working with uh, some sport business and sport media students, helping them learn and develop their, their skills and themselves as people. And I'm loving it. It's fantastic. So it's, as I said, it's very similar to coaching, but it's an opportunity to get involved with some younger people who want to go out and be the next, I suppose, leaders in sport and work in the industry. All right, Simone, thanks for talking with us in today's podcast. Really interesting to talk about the development of women's baseball and especially your career. Good luck for the future. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Always enjoy catching up. Thanks for listening to the Sports Fan Radio podcast. You can also subscribe to the show and please tell a friend or family about us. You can get more Sports Fan Radio on our YouTube channel.